Hello, and welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, your one-stop shop for expert advice on the smart way to get in. My name is Kayla, and each episode I'll bring you an interview with a former admissions officer, a graduate of a top college, or an admissions expert. These interviews will take you inside the admissions office and will be full of behind-the-scenes knowledge, first-hand experiences, and application tips that will help you get into your dream school. If you'd like to chat with one of these experts, you can sign up for a free consultation at the link in the description of this episode. But before you do that, let's talk with Jose Roman, a former assistant director of admissions from Yale University, about changes due to COVID-19. Hi, Jose. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Awesome. So um, a few months ago, we did an episode similar to this, I guess, with updates about coronavirus and how it was changing admissions. But that was back when everything was kind of starting. No one really knew what was going on. Um, and so now that we've made it through the summer, school's starting back up, we're really in the thick of everyone applying for college. I wanted to um, talk to another admissions expert again and kind of see how things have changed and what's going on. Sounds good. <laughs> awesome. So I'm going to start kind of broadly, I guess, and then narrow down to, I guess, specifically college admissions. But I wanted to start kind of with just college and education in general, since I know, you know, if anyone watches the news, this is kind of what everyone's talking about, what everyone's nervous about. So um, one of the biggest things is that a lot of universities went back to school either a few weeks ago or very recently, um, and unfortunately a lot of students have contracted coronavirus and schools have kind of gone back online. There's kind of all of that drama. So for students and parents who are looking forward to college next year, that can be kind of worrying. Um, so do you see any, I guess, changes in, that will affect younger students, if that will affect admissions at all? You know, should younger students and families worry, I guess, is kind of my general question. Yeah. I think first and foremost, and this is a bell that I've been ringing constantly because I am, I consider myself a developmental academic advisor. And for me, it's really important. I used to be an advisor at the college level and I still consider myself someone who very much abides by those um, by those standards, by those tenants and so forth. Uh, so really well-being is what matters the most. Personal well-being, taking good care of yourself. This is impacting everyone. This pandemic is impacting all of us, including the folks reading the applications. I know a bunch of folks in the field, a, lot, a number of folks in the field, and in higher education. So not just admissions, but in higher ed, it's really thrown everyone for a loop. Uh, so everyone, I trust that, that my colleagues in higher education are going to be perfectly understanding what's going on. And I got to tell you, they're getting information almost like real time the way some of us are, mm -hmm. um, that by the time you see the news headline, the schools have been grappling with it. So my experience, uh, having worked at a university and also kind of keeping a pulse to the best of my ability, not being a part of a university anymore, is that they're still getting new information. Just like we're getting new information every week about the public health situation, 
it's happening like that for universities. Universities, before they roll out any decision, it's taking them a lot of time, a lot of meetings, and a lot of contingency plans. So there are different options that a school might have about how they might not want to reopen, how, might they, how they might want to resume. So where does that put us going into next year? Right now, it's a big question mark. There's really no way of telling. I mean, I think we need to find, you know, first of all, have a breakthrough with the vaccine. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that populations are protected. So right now, the biggest concern is the public health concern. That is going to lead to other, other, other sort of dominoes or other chips are going to fall in place once, you know, once the public health area feels like it's making progress. But, but they're taking their cues, universities are taking their cues from senior leadership and from the public health community and, and all the experts that, that will weigh in. So this is a coordinated effort. So what does that mean for families? You know, universities have got to figure out what they're, how they're going to manage enrollment. When you look at, at different offices around the, the country, you often see that, that, that offices are called, uh, you know, either the, the vice president for enrollment management or the office of enrollment management. Enrollment management is an appropriate term because enrollment management is not just about the traditional admissions process by which students apply and are considered, but there's also, you know, it's impacting tuition revenue for schools. It's impacting what's coming in their business model. So they're going to have to come up with ways in which somehow they can make up for any shortfall this year going into next year meaning if they have a certain number of students deferred, they have to account for those seats. If students, you know, again, students have every right, families have every right to say no and to want, not want to go back because of the public health scare. So that is going to create some financial challenges for schools. So what I would sort of, in my humble opinion, what I would be looking for is this is what I would recommend the families do. They continue to read any, you know, any coverage on the education sector because the major publications have sections on education. Other publications such as the Chronicle of Higher Education is very, can be very helpful. I know it's subscription based, but there are also articles and essays there that the community is sort of trying to understand where this is all taking us. When I think about next year's group, I think you just need, families need to, to, to just try to stay as well informed on what's happening, take their cues from the universities. The universities, it's in their interest to get a message out as expeditiously as possible. But they're not going to jump, you know, they're not going to jump uh, into a solution or an option that's going to be problematic. They really don't want to do that. So it's really delicate right now. Short of something massive like a vaccine or some major development happening on the health front, really that's going to be sort of the next for everyone, for the government, for that is really what we need to keep an eye on right. and keep an eye on what schools are publishing. That's what the ingenious staff is doing. We're actually going to the school's websites. We're doing as much research to see what the latest breaking news is from a school, which is why we were able to keep track of test optional policies, like hot off the press. Like as soon as the school announced it, we were trying to stay on top of it to update our records. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're reviewing that very carefully, but I cannot make any particular prediction about how schools, because there are different types of schools, different financial models, enrollment models. 
Um, I can tell you from personal experience, uh, there are really good people that work at these schools and this is such a difficult spot for them that they're going to try to do what's best for everyone. But first and foremost, safety and well-being is what's going to really dictate the, the next set of actions. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of really good points there. I think especially it's just important for students and families to remember that, you know, no one really has all the answers right now. We're yep. all kind of living in limbo right now. It's not like universities or admissions officers are kind of all knowing, you know, kind of omniscient beings. I mean, however, think about scary it. Think about the, intimidating the, as they even seem. the most influential institutions that are in our society, which includes universities. But think about our government. Think about corporations. Think about, uh, you know, non-governmental organizations. We're all suffering. We've all taken a hit in our budgets. We've all mm -hmm. taken a hit, you know, again, our revenue streams. But if we keep having outbreaks, we're going to keep shutting things down. Meaning, And no one, universities definitely don't want to see that. At the same time, they're also feeling the urgency of having to meet their budgets, having that revenue, it's, they're linked. So um, we just need to keep an eye on them because different schools are going to do different things. Everyone's different in the market. Everyone's different in the, in, 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 in the landscape. So you may see a variety of different things, uh, different actions, but it's all going to start with the health situation. As soon as that gets sorted out, you may see some more, more things right. happening, but no school wants to open up and then shut back down. It's, that's just, it's, it's gut-wrenching. It's heartbreaking. Right, right, right. And like you said, just really keeping an eye on the news yep. is kind of the most important thing at this point. Um, so kind of moving down from college to high school, I know um, a lot of schools are either doing, you know, a hybrid model this year or having online classes. Everything looks a bit different. You know, extracurriculars might be canceled. Um, so from your standpoint, you know, as someone who was an admissions officer, um, you know, what what is, you know, the admissions office's reaction going to be to this? You know, are students at a disadvantage if they can't do certain activities, you know? Um, is that really going to impact, I guess, kids' chances? Everyone's going to look at these years as unusual times. And actually, an example that I can give you of how far ahead schools are looking, you're going to find that there are schools with test-optional policies that are maybe holding on to these test-optional policies for at least two or three years down the road because mm -hmm. it's affecting everyone from, you know, 12th graders to 10th graders, even ninth graders, but more so the 10th, 11th and 12th graders are definitely being. And if you look at how some of these policies are being rolled out, they're looking ahead as far out as the current 10th graders who might be applying in the future. So no one's going to forget the year 2020 anytime soon. And let me tell you, the people reading these applications are also being impacted. This is turning everyone's world on its head. Like really, there's I, I trust that there's going to be a great deal of sympathy, a great deal of empathy when this process begins or when this process, as this process continues to develop. So just as we as individuals, we as families, we as companies, as institutions, as communities are trying to conduct business in a different way, you know, it's the necessity that, that, that feeds into that creativity. How do we have some sense of normalcy in our lives um, or try to 
in order for us to do what we enjoy doing. And we have to think about what we enjoy doing. We, I mean, individuals, like in this case, high school students, to continue to do your activities to the best of your ability, as long as you're not putting yourself in harm's way. In harm's way. There are other, there are definitely activities that are obviously going to be impacted. Athletics being one of them, like how do you go? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a tough one because, but see, schools will understand that. See, universities reading these applications will understand that that is happening. So if let's say you are, you're going to be captain of your team this coming year, you're still captain. There's no question. Mm-hmm. You still keep up your title and whatever projects you can, keep them, keep them active. But there's also going to be things that may become more dormant. So where do you go from here? We know that that's going to be good. We, as in admissions experts, the higher ed community, we know that that's happening. So what if you are someone who is in a position where a lot of their activities, a lot of your activities are sort of like up in the air. Even high schools are having a hard time figuring out how the funding is going to happen, how a, how a group is going to remain active. Guess what? Universities are doing the same thing. Universities have the hybrid model. Universities did pass fail grades in the spring. The universities are going through this exact same experience. So very similar. Cause it has to do with having people on a campus, having people congregate, having students. Mm-hmm. So it's not that far from what universities might be doing in terms of what they're considering. So what do families, what can students do? Here's, here's a wild card here. Maybe not a wild card, but this is, what I would recommend. So we're in unusual times, right? So let's give into some unusual, unconventional thinking. Why not? Here's what I, I would propose. Personally, for me, what I would encourage students to do is these times are hard on a lot of us. And there are those of us who are in positions to be on a platform to help those who are most vulnerable in the world. So for those who are listening and those who are interested, especially looking at, at what might be considered the top tier schools or the most selective schools, you know, I think this is a, an appropriate opportunity, an appropriate time for us to really consider looking beyond ourselves and looking to help others, especially those in need. A lot of people are suffering out there. So what do I propose? All, all students probably listening have talents. They all have things that they're good at. Why not use your talent, whatever that is, and find a way to help the people closest to you in your community who might need it? I mean, you can do it virtually, but I would say don't look that far outside your door to find need or to find communities that could really use resources. So if you're good at coding, can you help with any kind of coding projects that a local nonprofit might need or that a local community might need? Or if you're musically inclined, I mean, why not, why not wow people and uplift their spirits by performing for them, even if it's online performing for them? Or if there's a safe way to volunteer being socially distant, sure. But I think this is a, an opportunity. We, there's so much need right now that especially if your sports team is not, if your season is canceled or you're finding that your activities are more conducive 
I mean, I would still try to find creative ways to do your activities, but there's some activities that really are going to be harder to do than others. So if you're finding that you do have that bandwidth in your schedule, I would find a constructive, productive, and just humanitarian approach to being involved. I'm not saying that, that, that volunteering is one of those buzzwords because it often is, but I tell students, if you're not interested in volunteering, I'd rather you spend your time doing something you really like. And if volunteering is not mm -hmm. your thing, it's not your thing. It's okay to admit that. It's okay to be, come to terms with that. But right now, a lot of us are in need. A lot of people are in need. Why not take your talents and, and use it as a way to, to inspire and uplift people who, you know, communities that really need it, including that may even be good for you as an individual. It may be good for food for your soul. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities out there, even though, you know, some things are shutting down, you know, a lot of, you know, online opportunities have come out, a lot of, you know, new technologies and everything. So there really isn't a sort shortage of anything. Yeah, do. I mean, it really look beyond yourself. I think that right mm -hmm. now we all need to take care of our own health and well-being. Let's take care of ourselves first. All right. First, if you're having a hard time finding a comfortable place to study remotely, Find your sanctuary and make it your own. Even if you're in a small apartment, look for it. Make sure that your mindset and your heart set are okay. Because if you have that foundation with your family, with your support system, you're able to feel more fortified and strong enough to help others. And if you can find a way to look beyond, you know, once you are in a good place, sort of feeling like you're like, okay, I think I can do this and you're fortified, look beyond yourself. And not just as a way to, 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 to enhance a resume, but, but a product of that could be enhancing your resume. And that is, let me tell you, 50 to 100 hours of volunteer service, I'm just randomly throwing a number out there just to give you a sense of sort of commitment. If you, if you can demonstrate that you've done a lot of hours of community service or volunteer work with your own you know, especially something that you enjoy doing, the amount of hours you can accumulate and you can show can be a real powerful, could be a real powerful symbol. Yeah, yeah, definitely very impressive. Um, so another question that I have had a lot of families ask me or I've seen a lot of students asking is, um, you know, a lot of students this past year deferred their admissions. They decided to take a year off since everything would be online and go to college next year. Um, and a lot of families have kind of been concerned about, you know, are those students taking my spots? Is it going to be even more competitive because of that? Um, so can you kind of speak to the whole, I guess, deferral debacle, I guess? You know, I, uh, I don't have any figures in front of me. But I can tell you that, that the whole dynamic of deferring, that whole dynamic in, in a normal year is an interesting one because I think given the pandemic, I think that <laughs> I suspect that families' wishes are going to be honored by the schools because no one wants mm -hmm. their student in a precarious spot. However, I'm curious to know if there's a limit of how many deferrals a school will take. Only because there's that there's the financial piece that's really important mm -hmm. schools don't want to miss the beat they want to try to be as consistent in their metrics consistent in their practices as possible even given unusual times so i wonder whether or not there's a certain amount 
granted, depending on the school, whether or not there's only a certain amount allowed to defer. And then, you know, those who would go online or hybrid. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I, unless I'm reading something about a school that's really putting its model out there. I mean, to have an entire or close to an entire class or most of a class, incoming class, defer is a huge deal because it would have a cascading effect down the road, right? Like, mm-hmm. so here's what I'm curious. I'm curious to know how many people are actually deferred because can you conceivably defer everyone? I think in this time, this day and age, I mean, you would, I would honor families requests, but at the same time, schools need to resume business. So you see hybrid models probably because they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to sort of walk that line. But if a school is going back to being completely online, they want to, they want the enrollment. They want the revenue that comes with that. They want all the benefits that come from having a full class. Right. And I would suspect that that's on their minds, meaning I'm curious to know what kind of creative enrollment strategy will be coming up because I don't necessarily think that a school want to admit fewer students next year. Maybe they want to keep their selectivity, but they want to maintain their enrollment. So if there's a way that they can sort of figure out a timeline or a place where they end up being where they were before sooner rather than later in terms of enrollment, they're going to look for that. They might get creative. And I wonder if summer terms are going to be a part of it. Um, I'm sure they have several options. Every school has several options to look at, depending on what information comes in or how the tides turn. I don't know. Based on my personal experience and seeing sort of the inner workings, um, it's going to be hard to go a year without having, without having the benefit of a close to a full class. Right. So they're going to try. I mean, I suspect that when the numbers get crunched and you know, what might make sense in terms of, I I suspect it's going to be a creative enrollment strategy. I suspect that they're going to try to capture as many people. They're going to try to lose as few people as possible between this year and next year. Right. So if the prospect or even the suspicion that enrollments or admissions is going to be harder next year, that does impact the way an applicant thinks. Like if you're scaring a lot of people away by saying we're admitting fewer, I don't know. That's a tough spot to be in, but I'm sure that's on their minds. Right. Right. I think the only school, um, the only school that I've seen put out any numbers is Harvard. I think I think Harvard said that they had 20% of this incoming class defer this year, which is I think quite a bit higher than normal. Um, but I haven't seen any other schools kind of make that number public of how many students they had defer from this incoming class. You realize 20%. I mean, that's big right. for a deferred class mm-hmm. for a deferred group. But you notice it's not 100%. Right. You notice it's not 50. It's a fifth of the class. Harvard also has, a, has you know, I would say a medium-sized enrollment class, enrolling class. Like, it's not the smallest school and it's not the biggest school. But, mm-hmm. you know, still the raw number for them is still going to be a, 
pretty substantial in terms of people that are going to be coming in in the next year. I mean, if you have 80% of your class to account for, this is just me doing my, my on the fly math here or just analysis. If you see them coming in at 20%, they already have 20% of the class, they still have 80% to go. It's still going to be selected. But I wonder again, even with the group that's been deferred, I'm curious to know if there's anything on the back end going into next year that would allow Harvard or school considering a big deferred group, wondering if they're going to make up for that somehow. Right. If they're going to find a way, I mean, it could be a summer entry. It could be um, a spring entry. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, schools, they're going to come because they're also going to look at their facilities. They're going to look at their capacity and they may have the facilities to fit a few more people in. Mm -hmm. They may have the flexibility um, and understanding that this time is different. So I know that schools, part of their prestige is their exclusivity, right. their low admission rates. That's part of the allure. That's part of what draws people to these schools. These schools could probably admit more people, right. but that wouldn't make it the same brand. That wouldn't necessarily be on brand, right? But they also care about their enrollments. So it's finding a sweet spot and that's going to be different for different schools. So I would see, I would be curious to know if they're going to work with a summer term, if they're going to work with a, a spring entry for some people, they're going to, there may be different ways they're going to manage this so that maybe even in a couple of years, they're back to where they were before. Yeah, absolutely. And by then, hopefully, hopefully we'll have a vaccine. Right. Like, right. Yeah, it's a lot to consider. I mean, this has the potential to set us back. This has the potential to set us back uh, in society three years, mm -hmm. given sort of everything. You know, some public health experts may say we may not, we may be three years before we get out of the, 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 the full effects of this. Who knows? So, you know, I'm hesitant to give anything definitive because right. one, I don't have all the evidence in front of me, but I can bring up things that I think schools are going to be looking at. Yeah. Uh, that would make sense and to be on the lookout for. Schools want students. They want the best and the brightest. They want the best class they can bring in. They, they need to, to keep their budgets going. They want to keep their faculty and staff. You know, they're not going to try to do anything that is going to be detrimental to their public trust. That, you know, they're getting the information as quickly as some of us are as consumers are getting it too. Um, so I would tell families, do your best to adapt to the current situation. Like try to carry out whatever business or whatever activity you can in the best way possible, but don't do anything that's going to further compromise the health of your family. Mm -hmm. Like don't, you know, we're stressed out as it is all of us that I worry about the mental health effects this is going to have on all of us right. when we come out of this. Cause right now people are hurting and mental health services, I suspect, are really in high demand right now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess on the subject of kind of what colleges are looking for, what admissions officers are looking for. So, um, you know, another huge topic, and you mentioned this briefly earlier, is, earlier, is schools going test optional. Um, so yes. this is another thing that a lot of families have asked me, you know, they say they're te test optional, but are they actually test optional? Are they just lying? Um, so I'm curious about that as well as, you know, without test scores, how are schools going to evaluate students? 
my colleagues and I in Genius are tackling this mm -hmm. issue. And we're trying to sort of, we're trying to, uh, you know, really look at the, it as, in, you know, as, as new, in a nuanced way, trying to really be very careful about how we approach this and how we give advice on this. Test optional doesn't mean that schools don't care about testing. Right, right. <laughs> this is one of those things that they, that I suspect they're going to want to keep. So depending on who presents test scores, when the incoming class gets, when they're looking at a potential incoming class, they're definitely going to be look. I suspect that they're going to be looking for numbers to keep their numbers intact. They're going to be candidates that are going to present the numbers that the schools are looking for in terms of testing. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be room for that. And one way that I would look at it is if in your region, the tests are being offered if they're available to you, if you and your classmates, I'm talking about peers, like students and their peers within their schools mm -hmm. and their region. If people have access to the test, if registering for the test isn't that big of a hurdle because there's availability and you can at least take it once before you apply, I would say go for that to try to get the best possible because that's definitely a part. Like if I see test scores, I'm going to pay attention to those test scores. Mm -hmm. If I don't see them, I'm going to pay attention to other things. However, if I have good test scores that if you have good test scores, if you have test scores that you believe are competitive and all things, all, you know, the information available says that you could be competitive along test scores, submit them. Right. Yeah. Submit them because that's information that could, could reinforce your, could really uh, strengthen your application. There are definitely populations out there where this test is going to be almost impossible right now to take, or it is going to be tr a tremendous hurdle. That's, I think that when, when, when admissions offices see the pool and they see the different schools that are represented in the pool and see different types of student populations, they're going to try to understand whether or not they're looking at a population that really is significantly at a disadvantage. Right. So, you know, they're going to be communities. They're going to be, there are schools, their families that really are going to struggle to get a test in. They might because of cancellations, because of health concerns. And, and you know what? Their classmates might be in the same boat. And it's going to impact populations. So not all high school populations are created equally. Not mm -hmm. every community in the country is created equally. Not everyone has the same resources. Not everyone has access to the same things. That'll, I, I suspect that that'll be part of the conversation. Right. Which means that if you're listening to this and you do have a shot at taking it and preparing for a, a, a standardized test, I would say try to do it. Mm -hmm. Give yourself a good effort to try to do it. Uh, because, because that's something that schools might be looking at. They may be looking at context is a big part of this admissions process. So your context may tell us something, you know, and I say us, cause I mean more like admissions officers will be looking at a student's context. Here's the thing, the common application, at least for this year, and it may, I don't know if it'll happen next year, but it makes sense if it's still impacting Applicants, they have the COVID-19 prompt mm -hmm. question in the common application. I don't think that should be answered by everyone. Not everyone's going to have a, what I consider 
a reasonable response to that. So that's where you can go into detail that will provide the admissions committee with background too about the extent of your circumstances and how COVID-19 has impacted your family, your circumstances. So uh, the COVID-19 prompt in the common application does present a valuable opportunity to, to really uh, paint a picture of what, what really the reality of, of this pandemic has been and, and, and the real impact and the consequences of all this. Uh, so everyone, and what I mean by everyone is anyone in an admissions committee or at a school is gonna understand that, for example, extracurriculars are impacted, there's no question. I wouldn't spend my time talking about the fact that you can play football because of that. Right. We know that probably, there's, it's probably understood. Here's where, you know, one approach, and there would be certainly families have suffered uh, economically. So they're, you know, parents losing jobs, sadly, families losing their support, their, 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 their financial support, that has some serious impact on everything. Right. Health, well-being, you know, all of that. That's a situation that really can, you know, really be worth explaining just so that the, the committees understand this is what you've been up against. Mm-hmm. People, I mean, people in families, you know, families have suffered as a result of family members contracting COVID. That's real. Oh, by the way, I'm sure applicants out there, sadly, future applicants have suffered through mm-hmm. COVID, have, have, been con- uh, have, have, have contracted COVID. See, there's a noticeable sort of, that is, that's a, that's a story there. That's a narrative that matters. So mm-hmm. if you feel that you have a story to tell that really does account for anything that, that they, that, that a, or, or anything sort of significant that a committee might see on an application um, because it does affect academic performance too. So it, those things definitely shape the experience. And of course, um, excuse me, testing. If testing is part of that story, uh, it's worth looking into. I will say that, you know, you will find students from particular schools or whatever. Like if I, usually admissions officers like to read multiple applications for a single school. So they like to read the school together to sort of see how candidates. I would be curious to know if there's a, any schools with a mixed bag of students, students who were able to take the test, mm-hmm. others who weren't. And I'm curious to know what the range of experiences has been. Because even within a school, right. there may be serious sort of inequities from student to student. Mm-hmm. So if you have an opportunity, if there's a window there, if there's a, a, a glimmer of sort of daylight there for you to take the test, in earnest, if you can really take it, that could be helpful. If it turns out that the test isn't, the test results aren't to your liking, and in that situation is when you could begin talking about test optional schools and what the strategy is for a test optional. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, you don't have the luxury of when it comes to highly selective schools, everything matters in that application. If it's test optional because the circumstances are up, fine. If testing is not there, then um, in any year, <laughs> everything else matters still. So 
it doesn't matter whether or not it's test optional or not. You still need to make sure that every part of your application is the best that it can possibly be. That's how small yeah. the margins are yeah. for sort of, you know, it's competitive. So, mm -hmm. you know, find a way. So if your extracurricular profile is lacking as a result of COVID, again, an idea that I would say would be a good use of time just because I think it's, 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 it calls for us to really, you know, look at our better angels and really try to bring out the best in ourselves as human beings uh, during these really tough times is if you can find a way to use your talent, use your energy, your well, you, you, you know, use what you have going for you to help, to be, to look beyond yourself and really use that to uplift communities, to uplift people, to make, you know, someone who, who may need good company, like it makes a difference for them. And, and if, and if you get something going and you're, you've got businesses cooking and you got multiple engagements, why not ask some of your classmates to be involved? Why not ask people in your neighborhood? Mm -hmm. You could be starting something. And again, you know, I know that there's that discussion between being privileged or not being privileged. I get it. I get that there are a number of us who are in privileged positions. Well, guess what? That puts us on a platform, doesn't it? It puts us in a position, to, you know, in a, a position of relative strength because COVID is affecting everyone. We're all suffering. Mm -hmm. Why not? Why not take that time that you, you would otherwise have and use it as a way to, to, to really just have an impact? Because impact does matter in this process. Impact. So find a way. Be creative about it in terms of how you can use your talents or your unique interests to really make a difference. Um, I would say that th those are things to really consider as you look ahead and, and how, you know, how you may make the best of a situation that's not really ideal. It's really tragic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's really just kind of looking at what is available to you, both with testing and with the rest of your application is looking at what you can do. And if, you know, if you can't do testing, you know, what are things you can do to strengthen the rest of your application, like you were talking about, like extracurriculars and everything? Absolutely. And I think that, that there are sort of their resources out there, you know, and Genius has their own resources for academic mentorships and things like that. We have things that we can work on our students. However, you know, in addition to that, there are other possibilities. And if you can be creative, innovative and impactful, those are things that are very relevant in this process. Uh, yeah. uh, but Again, it all starts with your health and well-being. Take good care of yourself first and foremost mm -hmm. and see what's out there because, um, you know, it, it, it could really make a difference in someone's life, including your own. It could be mutually beneficial. Um, but also, again, if you're, if you're into, you know, there are other possibilities like competitions. If you go and you, you know, you know submit some some work for a competition or for an award. Yeah, those are still out there. I think that there's some that you can do searches for that and, and you can access a list for that are pretty standard. Like they're pretty well established. They may just be going online fully for that particular mm -hmm. experience. That's okay. But if you're looking for something else, something sort of that might be a little bit sort of outside the box, well, your neighborhood is unique. 
you're, the communities nearby are unique to your culture and your experience. See what they need. Mm-hmm. Be a yeah. good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we go, I am just want to ask you, I guess, um, you know, with everything in mind that we've been talking about, um, if you have any advice or kind of general strategies that we haven't been over yet for students who are applying this year. Okay. Uh, applying this year, um, who are maybe what, 11th graders, right? Applying this year or, 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 or 12th graders Seniors. that are applying this mm-hmm. year. Sorry. Um, might not be irrelevant for the 11th graders, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, is continue, continue to do your best. I know that the online or hybrid model is not ideal, mm-hmm. um, but it's what we have to work with, right? And again, find a good comfy space. That's the good part of your strategy. Find a good comfy space to do your business, like to do your work, to, right. to make it a sanctuary, a place to celebrate learning. <laughs> But also, um, here's one thing that, I, that I've noticed that, that I could see some students trying to do that I'm a little bit worried about. I'm worried about more schooling, more and more schooling, more and more studying outside of your normal classes or required classes, doing more testing, like more APs without taking the AP class. Or I mean, that's fine, but... If you stick with a rigorous course program, if you, especially if you already have what is considered a rigorous course program where you are, you, what you have to prove there is that, you know, part of the challenge there will be adapting to an online model. If you can prove that you're going to keep it together and do well academically, stick with that. You know, keep those grades, do your best. I mean, it may require more studying, but I wouldn't recommend taking another class outside of school to take an AP necessarily like that's more academic work that seems fine but you're not improving any other part of your application as much mm-hmm. so be careful about not trying to do keep your extracurriculars going and again they could be a little different this year that's okay mm-hmm. but if you're doing more and more schooling and less and less activity outside of school i know it's hard but I'd rather you leave that space open outside of class to try to do something other than more school. Right, right. You want to, you know, for yourself, keep yourself kind of healthy and balanced. And also, you know, if, you know, if you can't think about yourself, if it helps you just to think about your application, um, you know, that's not going to make for a really balanced application either. Yeah. And I know that, that it's hard to get out there and do things. So if you're more, I mean, even if you're someone who is, you know, less inclined to be in big crowds. I mean, maybe finding, again, there are ways that you can volunteer online and not have to like talk to a lot of people. You, yeah, you know, if you're, yeah. you're doing a job for someone, then boom, you say, but that's having impact. You're having impact. That work is going to have impact down the road. So it's okay to be who you are and be true to that. But creativity is something that, that would be, being creative in what you do matters. I know that sounds a little vague, but what I would say is as a, from a strategic standpoint, try not to overload your time outside of class with more class. Mm-hmm. Experiential learning opportunities. If anyone's familiar with the experiential education, that's like hands-on experience. If you have an experiential education opportunity, great but it's not a traditional classroom or online learning class. Mm-hmm. It's something a little different. 
than just a traditional classroom experience. You want to grow not only intellectually, but you want to work on your, um, your interpersonal skills, what they call soft skills, like learning how to like relate to people, how to work on a team, how to work for a company or an organization. Those skills matter a lot mm-hmm. in yeah. addition to your academics. So keep the, you know, try to get a handle on your academics on what's already required of you at school uh, and do well there. Because if you're not doing well there and you're doing more work out, more, more academics outside of school to sort of reinforce your academic profile, I don't think that's going to make the case. They right. want to, schools want to see you perform well among your peers in a normal class environment. Mm-hmm. They want to see you excel with the best of the best, excel there. But if you're not excelling in your traditional classes, in your normal classes, that's going to be a problem to begin with. So don't, right. don't do more school if, you're, if your required school is not looking great or you're feeling uncomfortable with that. Focus on trying to do well in your required classes. Mm-hmm. And then as a way to not only take a break or to just break up, but just sort of do something a little different that engages you in other ways. If you're, if you're lacking that other part too, like that also matters in this process. So it's how do you keep all the irons in the fire going, but at the same time, not, you know, dealing with the stress of the pandemic. We all feel stress as it is. The pandemic is adding more. So please say, you know, again, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is for you to take good care of yourself. Like just Mm -hmm. your well-being. Without that, it's going to be harder for you to really accomplish maybe some of these bigger goals you have for yourself. If your health and well-being are not there, it's going to be hard for you to enjoy it and for you to do your very best. And I worry about that. I worry to me. One of my strategies as, an, as a counselor is I always check in with my students at the beginning of every meeting and ask, how are you doing? How's your mindset? How's your heart set? Because it matters. You're a whole person. Your whole world is connected. If your academic performance is waning, it might be because you're stressed out. It might be because you're not feeling well. It might be because your family's dealing with something. Like That's big. Mm-hmm. So... Trying to understand that part too matters because it it does impact your mood. It does impact your feelings. It does impact your mindset. And it could have an adverse effect on your overall academic performance or your motivation to get up and go do uh, an activity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's super important right now, just thinking about mental health and, you know, what's actually going to make you successful, Um, you know. And then, like we've kind of been talking about today, getting creative with what you can do so that you can, you know, you can move forward. Yeah, absolutely. In some ways, certain things have not changed. Like in certain things, certain the, the mechanics of the process, maybe the logistics change a little bit, but many schools are online anyway with their application. So that part is okay. Um, it's just trying to make sure that... Um, do what you can. Like there are few things we have control over. Try to do your best in what you can control. <laughs> right. And then, and then of course, you know, do your best to sort of shoot for things that might be a little bit more creative, a little bit more, um, you know, more out of your comfort zone. That's cool. 
mm-hmm. but make sure that your foundation is strong. Make sure that you, you have your good support system, have your team around you, your parents, your friends, like have those people in your corner, helping you, giving you advice, lifting you up because we all need it. And if you can also, you as a, as a student, as someone who's, who's at home at school looking for something to do too, you can have an impact on someone else's life who really needs that support as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This has been so informative. I know I've learned a lot. And it's also just been very inspirational, I think, um, to just kind of, you know, have time to talk about, you know, well-being and how everyone's doing. So thank you so much. You're most welcome. It's my pleasure. And I want to thank any listeners out there. (laughs) Um, I'm sure there are a lot. And please check out Kayla's podcast. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, uh, So please, I mean, all the listeners out there, um, you know, we care. We care about our families, our students. We care about society. Um, You know, it is our pleasure to be at your service. we're, We're in this and there's a great deal of human empathy and just sort of, we're all sort of rallying around each other right now. Let's, let's, let's keep that up. We need it. We need our, we need each other right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as always for anyone listening, you know, that wants more support or help from us, there's a ton of links in the description of this episode. So, um, I know that we've kind of been talking about them today, you know, our counselor is keeping track of everything. So all of that information is in the links. So definitely check that out. (music) 